Hi, thanks for coming, everybody, and finding a parking spot. <laughs> Took us a minute. Um, we're gonna do. We're gonna go through a bunch of stuff. These books are so short that I figured we could move through them just to give this new one context. But I also wanted to show books that didn't work um, leading up to this third one, especially uh, the first one. I want my hat back. Came. Uh oh. Let's turn us on. There we go. Okay. I'm gonna start with some slides. Actually, it'll be slides the whole time. Um, <laughs> but the first one, come on now. Oh, it's asking me about Wi-Fi here. I can stop that. There we go. See, it really wants me to join the Wi-Fi. Hold on a sec. I can put a stop to that. There. Also, does anyone knows my keychain login? That would be great. <laughs> it's been like months. <laughs> Every time I open iTunes. Um, so the first one came about in sort of a weird accidental way where I was asked to do some birthday cards and I, I usually, at least back then, I hated drawing characters and I still really have to find an excuse to draw characters. Um, it just seemed like a crazy, obnoxious thing to think you could make up a whole person or like personality. And I, this company asked me to do birthday cards and I said, well, I can, yeah, let me give you some rocks and chairs and trees and things that I usually draw. And they said, well, there's birthday cards, maybe you could do some animals. And I thought, no, I'm going to be an artist and say, no, that's not part of my thing. And they said, well, maybe we won't pay you to do that. <laughs> and so at the time we had this cat, it was the first cat that I'd ever had around. And we put a bumblebee costume on it. It was around this time of year, it was Halloween. This cat was so dignified and old and beautiful, and it hated this costume like crazy, and it didn't know what we were doing or why we were doing it, and it just seemed like it just invaded its life. And so this idea of animals that didn't sort of care about your birthday or that, this, that looked like... The idea was you almost brought them into a photo studio and just slapped the stuff on them, and you were just like, hold still, like just for a minute, just hold still, and we're going to get this card done... <laughs> And I liked this one the best of that set because it was, it was not only that these animals thought you were just dumb or they were confused, but this one's actually kind of dangerous because it's like a big threatening bear, but it's not, like he doesn't look mean, but there's an implied threat because he's a bear. And so that was, I don't know, I think that got, that got me interested in maybe doing this. And just the, the approach of like, well, I can believe in a character I make up that actually doesn't care about what I have him doing like that I can respect and I can, <laughs> I can I can work with that and so the, the whole approach for all my hat back was kind of those two things together the idea that this bear is like an implied threat the whole time even though he doesn't say so and we don't say so but also that these animals um, just have no idea what they're doing there and I felt really nervous writing this book because it was my first picture book I'd ever written and um, I wrote it very stiffly because I was feeling very stiff and I thought that these characters, it was sort of like an Ed Wood kind of thing, where these were the best actors I could afford to be in my crappy movie. <laughs> and, like, they wouldn't stop looking at the camera, even though they're supposed to be talking to each other. And, <laughs> and that was the whole tone of this. And I think that's why it made it work, because I couldn't, like, I knew that my own characters didn't respect me enough to, like, act properly. But it also worked for the story, because it turns out that if you were looking at each other, you would see that this one character is wearing a hat. Uh, but he doesn't. He's in the rhythm of the thing and he's still looking at me, or us, or whoever he's supposed to be looking at, and so he doesn't see this hat. Um, the other thing about this book was that I tried to write narration for it at first, and it sounded terrible. Um, I didn't know how to write it, and I didn't know what it was for. I had, like, a bear has lost his hat, and then the bear would say, I've lost my hat, and you're like, why did I just say that then? Why, why did I have to say something before he got to say anything? And it just, it sounded stupid. I didn't have a reason for that voice, and I didn't have a voice as a narrator at all, and so I thought, well, if we just have them talking by themselves, then if they sound stupid, then they're dumb. I'm not a bad writer. They just don't know how to talk. <laughs> And that got me off the hook in a really big way, and it was a really big lesson, because it was like, all right, now I really believe in characters, because now they can get me out of, off the hook as, of being a writer. <laughs> and so I want my hat back. Um, for those who haven't read it, if you're, if you're uh, here off the street or something, um, it involves this bear looking for a hat and asking all these characters, and none of them have seen this hat. And he asks everybody, except for, of course, the rabbit, who takes a longer time saying he hasn't seen any hats or stolen any hats, and please leave him alone. Um, he keeps moving through these animals until he finally uh, gets sad about the whole thing and just feels defeated. And 
then a deer comes up, and a deer is the first person to ask him anything uh, and help him out. And all it takes is a small prompt about what does his hat even look like, because we haven't really found that out. And he finally begins to describe it and immediately remembers that he's seen this hat. Uh, and he runs back past all the other animals and finds this rabbit and has a moment. And <laughs> and then we just skip over the action part and uh, he's sitting there wearing this hat. Uh, a squirrel comes up and asks him if he's seen a rabbit wearing a hat and he uses the same words to deny having seen or eaten any rabbits that the rabbit used to deny having seen or stolen any hats. And that's the end of that book. Um, when it came out, I really didn't know you know what it was uh, if it was any if it was going to go over with anybody I, I had a bad couple first encounters with librarians that really didn't care for it at all um, but it, it eventually picked up steam and uh, we had a good time with it and Candlewick who bought the first one they had bought three they said well buy three books but you have to figure out the other two it's okay we don't know what they are yet but we presume they exist with these characters and I thought the same thing I thought well these guys are fun we can find other stories with them and I liked the deer because he was the only one who took any initiative and he looks kind of like a frail thin I related to him just physically I looked like, I looked like him and so I thought well we can do something with him where he's just this scared guy and the first one I tried was I like to be alone at night with just a picture of him looking terrified on the cover <laughs> And it followed the same rhythm as the old ones, where he would wake up. This is just the roughs, uh, so you'll pardon the sort of cut-and-paste look of it, but his whole thing was that he would just go around waking animals up, asking them if they liked to be alone at night. <laughs> and then agreeing that he also liked to be alone at night. And they're like, yeah, all right, great, whatever. And like everyone is so angry to be back in this book and back in this world. And it just felt like going over like the same kind of rhythm. It just, I didn't really... I wasn't understanding why it was looking like this anymore. Like, the first one had justified itself, and this one just kind of felt like going back to the well. I went and looked for the rough of this. I only had a few slides left from this rough, and there's one that I can't find where he finds a turtle who is asleep completely, and he won't wake up. And he asks the turtle uh, what he's... The turtle says he's dreaming. And he says, well, what are you dreaming about? And the turtle says, I'm dreaming about this. And it has the turtle kind of floating off into these stars. And I thought, that's the nicest part of this book. I really like that idea. Hopefully we can use it again. And we do end up using it again in this last book. But this was probably six years ago. Um, it's really weird how those kind of things hold on and find their way into other projects. Um, that didn't work. And so we tried this one. I will trade you this stick. And uh, it was about the deer again. And it was just sort of about him having like a stick. And... Now all the other characters have, like, stuff they find in the woods, just junk. And they don't want to trade for a stick because it's a stick and they live in a forest. So uh, what do you want with a stick? But I like also that they just have trash. Like, they just have things they found in the woods that are just as maybe miraculous as a hat might be if you didn't ever see one before. And nobody wants this stick, especially not the bear. <laughs> who's still sitting breathing heavily after having digested this rabbit um, but this didn't work either it actually turned out that I finished the story and the deer turned out to be a real jerk um, he meets the mole at the end of the story and the mole shows him you can set a stick on fire and that's actually very valuable and so they walk around like characters possessed holding these torches um, and then everyone comes back and wants this stick because now it's useful it's on fire and he gets on a rock and gives a big speech about how they're all sort of they should all go away and take their junk with them because now he has fire and the wind blows the torch out and he's done but it's not a not a good story it's not a story about anybody you want to hang out with and not that the bear one is necessarily either but it just didn't work um, and so we, we ditched that idea and um, I was having so much trouble with these with these uh, other stories about the same cast that the art director over at Candlewick finally said, you know what, just try going somewhere else completely. And so we did. We turned the book sideways, trim size-wise, and then flipped it so that it's on dark instead of light. And that, to me, suggested underwater. And it was sort of followed from there. There was a few different fish versions of different stories that I liked. Um, but one day I woke up and I'd written the exact same book again, from a different character's point of view, and I didn't know whether we should get away with it or not. Now it's a, a character who's stolen something, and he's stolen it from this big fish. The main difference in this book from the last one is that the last one was done in dialogue. It was characters talking to each other. And this one, the flip, was that it's a monologue, meaning the little fish is the only one who's talking. And that took a minute to teach little kids about that idea. Usually, or at least I thought it was kind of a complicated concept, and so we really take our time. I took it from a big fish. He was asleep when I did it and he probably won't wake up for a very long time. And you contradict the thing really strongly 
Even if he does wake up, he will probably not notice that it's gone. So really, like taking, it's a lot of spreads to spend, especially in a picture book. You don't have a lot of pages to work with, but we spent like five of them on this idea so that when we finally, <laughs> when we finally teach them this concept that you can have a character talking who doesn't know what's happening and he's not telling the truth, but he doesn't see because we're seeing the cameras moved somewhere, then you can have some fun with it and take off on the, on the book. Um, and he go, we go back to him and uh, he's kind of telling us that, you know, where he's, where he's planning on going and that the plants are big and tall and close together where he's headed and you can hide in there and then no one will ever find him. And he passes this crab who's um, sworn to secrecy and he breaks down immediately. <laughs> A lot of kids think that this crab was bad from the start. I gave him the benefit of the doubt on this page and thinks he just falls apart, but kids are like, no, look at him. <laughs> He's already... Like, it's really neat to draw really blank characters because they'll just put whatever they want on top of these things. Um, so he's not worried about this. And so now the plants are getting a little taller and a little closer together, and he's getting... I like the, the visuals, too, because it's sort of like he's getting deeper and deeper into trouble as well. Um, and he kind of does a last-ditch sort of plea for his own sanity, I guess, and saying, I know this is wrong. I know it's bad, but look, it fits me really well. It's great. I really like it, as if that's any reason at all. And he makes it to the plants. And then finally, he gets in there, and his last sort of words to us are, I, I knew I was going to make it. Nobody will ever find me. <laughs> and then it goes completely quiet. And we don't hear our narrator anymore. And this was from Psycho. This, I, I thought of Psycho about this, because it's always such a shock in Psycho, even though we spend less time proportionally after this happens, that you kill off the main character, and there's just this weird vacuum in the movie after that, and you try and adjust that you're not, because you've seen every single scene is with this woman, and then she's gone, and you can't even believe it. You, it's almost like you don't have a voice in the movie anymore, because you can't adjust to this new guy, he's crazy. Um, but that idea of sort of losing your main character... It really stuck with me. And the whole book is sort of psycho anyway. It's just like a guilty run. Um, and so it's all quiet, and it's just plants. And a lot of kids swear they can see, like, fish bones and blood in this drawing, but there aren't any. And the fish swims back away. From the crab, who I think is really important in this book, he ends up sort of... I did a version without the crab before I added him, and it was a very cold book. Um, it's cold anyway. But it's especially cold when no one knows what's happened besides the, the big fish. Because um, he, he's not telling anybody. Um, and so the crab kind of brings some humanity into that. I'm not sure exactly how much, but uh, he was necessary. Uh, after this book was finished, um, I had a third book to make, and I wasn't quite sure what to do. Because the two are sort of opposites of each other. There's a monologue and a dialogue. There's black on, or light on dark and dark on light. And it's a, someone being robbed and someone stealing from somebody else. I thought for a while that the only thing to do for a third book was a book where no one got the hat, and that meant just a big sort of massacre of characters. Um, I have a PDF of some roughs of some other stories I tried, and they're very rough, so please excuse the roughness, but they're fun to show anyway. They're cathartic to show, I think. Um, so the first one was about these two characters in the snow, who find this hat. Oh, wait, i got a slideshow going here. All right. And so the first one says, Do you see this hat in the snow? Yes, I do see it. It is a nice hat. I agree that it is. It would be nice to have it. I agree that it would. See, already I'm falling apart, right? <laughs> They're just repeating each other. But there are two of us, and there is one of it. I like that spread. It looks good on your head. I agree that it does. It looks good on you, too. Yes, yes, I agree. It is a very nice hat. Yes, a very nice hat. But I don't want a hat if you can't have a hat. And I don't want a hat if you can't have a hat. There is only one thing to do. I guess that there is. We must leave it behind. I guess that we must. Are you ready to go? I am ready to go. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Don't laugh too hard. We didn't make this one. <laughs> it is a nice hat. Yes, a very nice hat. It is snowing a lot. I agree that it is. Okay, we should go. Are you ready to go? I am ready to go. Okay, here we go. 
<laughs> we could wait for a while. I agree that we could. This is also me just going hard on waiting for Godot. <laughs> if we wait long enough, the hat will be gone. When it is gone, then we could leave. I like that idea. I thought that you might. It is almost gone. Just a little bit more. I guess it is gone. I guess that it is. Are you ready to go? <laughs> I am ready to go. Okay, here we go. And that's the end of the book. <laughs> so that didn't work really. Like, I like it. I think that it, I got what I wanted, but it doesn't work. You can't. I think that I analyzed the heck out of this afterwards because there are many, there's probably 15 different versions of this, of this idea with three characters and two characters and four characters and all with the, the idea that we're going to have a, an empty spread at the end. I love the idea of just a white spread with who knows what buried underneath it. It might be a year later and we're still looking at just white snow. Um, but I think in the older books and the other ones, when someone is killed... <laughs> For wanting a hat, it's an overreaction on another character's part. It's not that we're saying that's what you should do or what this guy had coming. It's just what happens to him. But with this, it felt like, with the book having the last word, it felt like we were trying to sort of hand down a lesson. It was being too didactic, and it was, you felt responsible that you could have done something for these guys, and you didn't, and no one else could. And so you felt this, it was a weird guilty feeling. I didn't like it. Um, the other problem I had with this book was that at the beginning, the very, very beginning, they say this, I don't want a hat if you can't have a hat, and I don't want a hat if you can't have a hat. But we just met these guys. We don't know what they mean to each other. Why are they being so nice? They live out in the tundra. They should be like at each other's throats if we believe in this situation. But we're asking you to believe that these guys are friends right away, and it didn't feel earned. I didn't believe this. It felt too sweet and saccharine because we hadn't seen almost anything yet. We're on spread seven, and we basically... we. we barely gotten into it. And so those things all together, uh, I sort of took a long, long time to abandon this one. Uh, I liked it as an illustrator, especially because it was on snow, and you, have to, you didn't have to draw very much. But <laughs> that's never been a problem for me anyway. Um, I got really bummed out when I, when I sort of left that one behind, and I had lunch with a friend, and he said, well, what was the last thing you drew or you wrote that you liked? And I said, I wrote this dumb thing uh, called The Rock from the Sky that made me laugh a lot. But it was too short, and it didn't really make a whole book. And he said, well, you should make, like, maybe if it's, if it's too short, you could make a book with, like, a couple stories in it. And I thought, well, that's a really solid idea. Um, and it was about the turtle from the first book and the crab from the second one. Um, I always liked that trick that Cormac McCarthy pulled in his Border Trilogy, where he had one book about one character, a second book about another guy, and then they meet in the third one. I thought that was so cool, um, even though the books had nothing to do with each other narratively. And so I thought, well, we can just have these guys hanging out in like a third weird book. Um, but The Rock from the Sky was a title that a second grader had given me in a school visit. He told me he wrote a book called The Rock from the Sky, and I paid him $5 for the title. <laughs> I don't think he took it. I offered him. I'm not sure they're allowed to take money at school visits. Um, but the three stories were called The Rock from the Sky, Watching a Sunset, and a hat in, The Hat in the Night. Um, and... Uh, I always liked this progression, too, of a daytime, a sunset, and a nighttime. Initially, the three books, I really, what I really wanted was this, where it was, this was the order. Because that's great, right? That's daytime, sunset, and nighttime. But that's not what we got, so it's okay. <laughs> but I thought we could do it in this book anyway. We could at least pull that off in a sequence. And so the rock, they're, un, they're unconnected, but I do still like reading through them. The Rock from the Sky. I like standing here on this spot. I have stood in other spots, and I think, out of all of them, this spot is my favorite. I don't see any reason to move away from it. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> Could I also stand in this spot? Yes, come and stand in it with me. We can stand here together. Well, do you like it? Actually, I'm not sure that I do. I think I have a bad feeling about this spot. Like we shouldn't stand here at all. Really? Yes. <laughs> I suppose you think you know a better spot than this one. I do. There is a spot over there that doesn't feel bad like this spot. Would you like to see it? Fine. Here it is. Here is the spot I was talking about. This is okay. It is an okay spot. But you don't think it's as nice as your spot. 
My spot is very nice. Come back and try it again. <laughs> no, this spot still feels bad. In fact, it feels worse than it did before. I'm going back to the other spot. You should come with me. I like this spot. Go to your own spot if you want. I'm fine here by myself. I really think you should move away from this spot. <laughs> Leave me alone in my spot. I don't want anyone in my spot that thinks it's a bad spot. Your spot is a bad spot. Go back to your bad spot and stay there and don't come back to this good spot ever again. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> I so I framed that a bit differently in the next one, but... Um... <laughs> I think in the final version, this was a whole spread, so it just landed right behind them, and it's like two inches from the turtle. So that's the end of the rock from the sky. The next story was called Watching the Sunset. I like to watch the sunset, or I like watching the sunset. I like to watch it go all the way down. <laughs> I love wasting spreads on just the minimal action. That would be a whole spread, just those two things. Hi. Hi. What are you doing? I am watching the sunset. I did not hear you. I am going to come closer. Okay. What are you doing? I am watching the sunset. I still did not hear you. I am going to come closer again. Okay. Okay, what are you doing? I am not doing it anymore. <laughs> That's the end of watching the sunset. The Hat in the Night was sort of a condensed version of the snow story that we just saw. And I thought, well, now that we've hung out with them for two stories, they kind of have a camaraderie, right? We kind of believe that thing about them being pals. We've kind of earned it just by time spent with them. And so I wanted to try it again now that we've had some time under our belts. And so we'd try it. We found a hat in the night. We both found it at the same time. It is a nice hat. We would, like, we would both like to have it. How does it look on me? It looks good on you. How does it look on me? It looks good on you too. It looks good on both of us, but we cannot both have it. See, now I believe that. Now I, they're pals, it's okay. This part, I do not want a hat if you do not have one too. Neither do I, it would not be fair. So they're almost ready to kiss here. I really like, like now we believe it. This is as close as we've gotten. Oh, it's gross, I know. <laughs> then we will leave the hat here and we will both go to sleep. Yes, we will both go to sleep. Are you almost asleep? Yes, I am almost asleep. Are you all the way asleep? I am all the way asleep. I am dreaming a dream. What is your dream about? I will tell you what my dream is about. I am dreaming that we both have hats. We both look good in them. That is a nice dream. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and that's the end of that story <laughs> so I showed this to my editor I was super into this I was like I don't know what the heck this is but I really like this book and I showed it to them and they were like we okay this is really weird they, they, they thought it was really strange and also the editor had a problem I still don't agree with where she said that the sunset one that it doesn't make any sense because they could see, he could see the sun, but we, like, he's only blocking it from us. And I thought, that's what's funny about it. Like, that's just, we had all these arguments over it, but at the end of the day, they said, we think that the last story is really, really strong. Without that rock falling, like, this is still super strong. Can you make this into a book? And they even said, like, just keep the rock in it. They won't know what's going on. I was like, that's insane. Um, but... <laughs> But they liked this story, and I liked it too. It's just that I was still on my whole sort of thing about, like, we're not going to know they're friends. We're not going to know these two guys are friends if we do it just on its own. They haven't spent any time together. If we just start like this, I won't believe this spread where they're about to kiss. It's not, it does, this doesn't work if we're only four spreads into a book. And so I thought, okay, if we reset this thing and we have to make them look like they're friends, a bunch of stuff has to change. And so I made it into two turtles instead of the turtle and the crab. Um, partially because I didn't think anyone would know what the crab really was if we got it out of context and they hadn't seen the second book. And partially because I believe right away that two turtles might be friends because they're both turtles. They might be brothers or something. Um, the other thing I had to do, well, we'll go over it, but is we had to start out with the premise right away. I tried one version where um, 
they spend like two chapters just walking around before they find the hat just to establish that they were friends and it didn't work at all. You were really bored for two chapters. Didn't know why you were watching these turtles. Um, but this is the best, I think, version of all that stuff. And it really, it walked out in front of me, the ending did, uh, really kind of surprisingly, even though I think in retrospect it's pretty natural, at least I hope it is. Um, so this is We Found a Hat. This is the book that's actually come out. And a lot of the dialogue you'll recognize from the older versions, even line by line, there's a lot of similarities. But it's divided into three parts. I like those three things so much, day, sunset, and night, that I tried to do it again anyway. We tried to sort of get a story that used that, because I really liked it. And I also just like the cutting of chapters. Picture books are kind of tough because you have to have one idea that drives like 40 pages and with no breaks. And that sounds easy enough, but it, it, it's really tough to get one thing that propels the whole thing. And so timing-wise, it's been really fun. There's three parts to this book, and cutting against part one, part two, part three is, was really, really fun. It makes me want to try chapters. Um, but part one, finding the hat. We found a hat. We found it together. But there is only one hat, and there are two of us. How does it look on me? It looks good on you. How does it look on me? It looks good on you too. <laughs> was, it, was it European vacation? Which one? It was European vacation where the two kids come out of a store, they had to buy new clothes, and they've been at each other's throats the whole movie, but the one guy's wearing like this crazy outfit, and he goes, I, f- or I, what does he say? I feel cool. And his sister, who hasn't given him anything so far, says, you look cool. And it's this great, like, you just know that they have this little universe where that means a lot. And that's what this kind of came out of. It was like, that looks terrible, but there's just the two of them. So they can, if they say this, it's as real as it's ever going to be. And they've had to give, it looks good on both of us. This has been established. But it would not be right if one of us had a hat and the other did not. Now, that was careful because we still don't know these guys well enough, but they're not talking about they don't want and I don't want. They're just saying it wouldn't be right, just in a very moral, philosophical way. It wouldn't be right. There is only one thing to do. We must leave the hat here and forget that we found it. <laughs> and that's the end of part one. <laughs> Part two, watching the sunset. We are watching the sunset. We are watching it together. What are you thinking about? I am thinking about the sunset. That's maybe my favorite spread I've ever done in any book. (laughs) I don't know why. I love that spread. What are you thinking about? Nothing. (laughs) Part three, going to sleep. We are going to sleep. We are going to sleep here together. Well, yeah. Are you almost asleep? I am almost asleep. Are you all the way asleep? I am all the way asleep. I am dreaming a dream. What are you dreaming about? I will tell you what I am dreaming about. I am dreaming that I have a hat. It looks very good on me. You are also there. You also have a hat. We both have hats? I really wanted this to be a sentence. I didn't want it to be a question, but it was too tricky. They thought that if if it was a sentence, it was the other turtle who was sleep-talking, still saying it, and it sounded like he was emphasizing it, and that meant that he might not be asleep. He was actually trying to sell this guy on this weird dream he was having. But I really want the impression to be that he is asleep. I think that he is, and so it has to be a question. But we both have hats. And then he goes back to him. They fall asleep, and the last page is them sort of swimming away. (laughs) And that's the end of this (laughs) crazy book. (laughs) That's the presentation. If anybody has any questions about any of this stuff, does anybody have any? Yeah, you got a question? What's your question? Why is there a hat in it? Why is there a hat in it? Well, let me tell you. There is a hat in it because I like hats because they are unnecessary. You don't need a hat. And so if it was like food or money, you might understand why people steal these things and kill each other for them. But it's a hat, and so you don't need it, and so you just like it. It's yours, and you want it back, and you want it for your your own. And so it's kind of a love story then because you don't have to explain yourself. You just say that you want it. Um, and also, for little ones like you, if we start a story saying, I want my hat back, it's a nice visual thing. Even if you can't read, you know what the ending of that book looks like. He's wearing a hat. 
And that's why I like cats for these stories. I will miss them. I, don't think, I think this is the last one, and I'll miss that easy start. But it wasn't an easy start for the last one, it turns out. But I will miss it as a beginning point. Yeah. Um, oh, I got a card. We'll talk about that later. Thank you. Yeah? Why do they fall asleep? They had a big, long day. Did you see how far they walked? They had to get, like, four feet. Yeah. Yeah. I This it was actually I think I got fortunate because when I started in animation I started as a storyboard guy. That was my first job was at DreamWorks. It was an internship. It wasn't it wasn't really professional yet they had us kind of brought us down on this thing but I was in trouble right away because they would give us these scripts to do that were like action scripts like fights and explosions and things and there was one where there was a penguin James Bond thing I probably signed an NDA about that I probably shouldn't have said anything but he gets in a fight off screen with somebody or he gets in a fight in the script and they beat the crap out of each other and I was like I don't want to draw this and so I had them just go off screen and like you know cans rolling by on the held shot and I remember the director saying, like, John, you have to show this. Like, this is, like, this is a feature film. You can't just, like, hold the camera. And I thought, I don't want to show it. I don't want to show this. I don't want to draw it. And I got, like, really impertinent about it. But when I started doing books, I was like, that's what books are for. They're for skipping it. You don't have to show it. And so I got really lucky because it suits my sensibilities very well. Skipping, because books hold still. You can't show. I don't like to draw something in the middle of the action. You have to choose a moment. And I'd much rather choose a definitive before and after than a weird middle one that I can't draw and don't have any interest in anyway. We know he ate him. He says so. I don't want to have a half-eaten, you know, I don't like that drawing. I don't want to show it. And so that way it was easier. I think the tricky part was thinking up ideas. I've been thinking of films so long that when you have an idea for a story, often you have an idea for an animated story that like requires movement and acting and sort of some sort of weird motion idea. And this doesn't give you that. And so for a long time it was like, oh, I have an idea. And then you board it out or you rough it out and you realize that's a film. That's not a book. I didn't think of a book. That part was tricky, but... I think I got luckier than most people because I was already ill-suited to animation to begin with a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the strange thing that I found in your books is that you can do serious things like death. <laughs> and I know you didn't write it. You know, they did a whole, they're essentially in an alternate universe and they're never going to go. No, they're gone forever. <laughs> um, so have you received, like, has that been a big issue with, I don't know, when you I don't think I was a decision. I don't know. It sounds really artsy, but for this one, I really couldn't think of another ending. I don't know. Once it got started, I was like, this is, he eats him. Of course he does. Um, when I pitched it around initially to publishers, they hated it, or at least most of them didn't. They liked the book. But they didn't like the ending. They said, like, some of them even suggested, like, can you beat him up or something instead? And I was like, that's awful. I can't know. What's wrong with you? <laughs> As if they're the one offending me. I want to kill him. But, um, but then we finally got to Candlewick, and they said, uh, the editor had a phone call with me, and she goes, oh, so we have to talk about the, the rabbit. And I said, oh, here we go. And another one struck out. And she says, if we, if we do this, if we buy this book, um, and we do more books with these characters, like we thought we were going to, do you think the rabbit comes back in the other books? And I thought, well, that's interesting. They could just sort of do like a character that he plays like he died. And it's like a sort of a, a cast that can sort of die on screen, but then, you know, come back in a different way. I thought, maybe, maybe we can talk about that. And she goes, well, that's, I don't agree with that. If this, ca- if this rabbit dies, he's gone forever. And I was like, well, that's, <laughs> where do I sign? Um, and so I don't think, if it wasn't for them, it's not like I sort of, uh, you have to find someone to let you do it and show confidence, and they really backed the book in a really big way. And we did have, like I said, we did have trouble with some people at first, I think when the book came out. Um, and I think I have purposely sort of, I haven't done this since. This is a very sarcastic book, and it sort of, it almost tricks you, because the bear doesn't really show that he's bad um, until the very end. He's very blank, so he doesn't show that he's good, I don't think, necessarily. He's very, he doesn't give out much information, but he, we, it's a bit of a double cross, a little bit, and I, was, I wasn't proud of that the more time I went on. It's a bit of a trick, and so that's why in the second one, the big fish, we know he's bad. He's death incarnate, like he's coming for you, and there's no two ways about it, 
And so playing that out was simpler. He can fulfill his destiny as just a steamroller, and that's fine. Um, and that wasn't so much of a double cross. It almost sort of just was a straight line throughout the story. And it was still was one of those things where I felt kind of bad about, you know, the shock of it being the currency that the book had. I didn't want to see, keep writing on shock of killing characters and that being why people like these books. You want it to be a good book, just generally. And so this, sec- this third one, I think, you know, the suicide-packed versions notwithstanding... Um, <laughs> is the one I'm proudest of because it didn't count on that. We try and land it safely, but we don't land it safely, really, because they don't actually solve the problem. That's an imaginary solution at the end. It doesn't exist. There aren't two hats. And so I like that we sort of... The universe didn't give them two hats. The book didn't serve up some sort of imaginary solution that the world is going to make things okay for you if you're a good person and decide not to do it. Um, but we still got that in the pacing of it. It still ends on that information, just not for real. And so it was a weird sort of like, well, how do I get this without actually getting it? Which I, like, without d- betraying what it is I like about these stories and stuff. Um, I don't have any qualms about doing this stuff. Every now, like, I think it depends on the audience and the, the parent also. Like, we, I, I find that the ones that don't like these books, I can't really argue them back. Like, I'm, I'm never going to get there because it's a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> um, and so... I don't know. I was worried a little bit that with this one, since we weren't killing anybody, we were going to sort of disappoint fans that liked the killing, and I wasn't going to get anybody back from the other ones anyway, and so maybe this is a lost cause. Um, But I do like how they play the three of them together. I like the idea that all these three sort of exist in the universe, and you can have death and destruction sometimes, but also it's capable of raising turtles that are just really sweet to each other, and that's okay in the the world. That's a lesson, right? That you can... There's murder and also niceness in the world. Yeah. How do you field test these books? How do you field test them? Yeah, you don't. No, no, because if you like, they love asking questions and talking, and so if you show them a book under that context, they'll say all sorts of stuff. Whereas if you show them a finished book, it's done. There's nothing to say. And so if you show them a book, and say, well, what do you think? They're like, oh, well. Now that you want my opinion, let's get into it. And you get all sorts of bad feedback. But that's, that's how it is with people, too. Even friends and stuff, you show them something, they want to be useful and help you out, and so they'll point things out that might have been fine. It's hard. I, I did road test these things a lot with friends and sort of feel out bumpy points, and there was a lot of really great advice. Um, and you sort of forget it at the end because you're just like, how, like, what were these things we ironed out? But I don't have a very easy time road testing it with kids just because... Um, or even, like, I find that a lot of times people are used best used that way, they'll point out a bump, but then they'll suggest a solution. And those are two different things. Like, even editors are really good that way, where they'll sort of say, like, this part feels wrong, and here's how you should fix it. And that second thing should never have been said. It just messes you up, but they're trying to be useful again. And so that first bit where they say, I don't like this part, is usually true. But the second part where they suggest a solution is almost never true, or is never right. And you try it, and you're like, well, then the whole thing is wrong, and that's not true. They found a bump. Um, but with kids, it's like, yeah, I'll just keep, you, you lose the point if there was one and just the wash of information you get. So it's tough to road test them with them. Usually you just have to, like, today was the first day it was out and we did some school visits and it was terrifying because I was like, here we go. I haven't done this with kids yet, really. And it was just like a hundred of them in the gym and like, and they're just in kindergartens, so you don't even know. And like, I still don't know if it works, but <laughs> with them. Is there a question? Do you have your hand up? I can sign the book in a little bit. We're going to do a table, and then you can. Yeah. Do I have sketches? Oh, yeah. The the turtle and the crab book. That was my sketches, basically. I try and get them as clean and as finished as possible because I really don't want to try and qualify a rough by saying, "Well, this doesn't look right." But focus on the story. Like I have to be able to see it too, and. It's, I do them all digitally, they're sketches anyway, so I can usually just grab old elements and try and piece it together, because I want to get myself excited for the illustrations, too. If they're too rough, I'm not going to trust looking at it, and I, I get distracted by leafing through it if I'm looking at some weird drawing that doesn't exist really anyway. It's just there as a placeholder. So those, those sketches are my first pass, basically, on sketches. That's, it's, cause it's easiest that way, I think. Yeah? So uh, from start to finish, this was about a six-year process? Yeah, the first two, well, my hat pack was 2011, this is not my hat, was 2012, and now here we are with <laughs> this third one. There's kids that have been born and grown out of these books in the time it took this third one to happen. Um, but yeah, those other ones, like I did some illustrations for other people's books, but this third one just took forever. I just couldn't find what I wanted out of it. So were you still having fun during the whole 
process? Not at the end of that snow one. I was yeah. really discouraged. And it can be really be a mess because there's also a weird stage where you write it first and you don't have sketches and you think you've got it. Right. And so for two days, you're like, I, I cracked it. I got it. It works. And then you rough it. And there's some weird staging problem or logistical thing in the illustrations that totally sink it. And it's unmaneuverable and you just, you lost what you thought. And so it's this really like crash. And and when you get it, it's like, well, now I have the rest of like, I have a whole year planned now. Like it's that much sort of weight off your shoulders. And then you slug it back on and you're like, no, nope, I don't have anything. Um, yeah, it was, it's, that, this, was, this was a really tough one. I'm really relieved that it um, kind of, it works now because I was almost resigned to like, well, we'll just do something and it'll have a hat in it. Because <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. But yeah, it's, it's, it was a tough, this one was a tough one. There's a lot of dark baths and stuff. Yeah. You know what, I, I think that, I guess I'm distance on it now, and I think this one finally sort of taught me to trust the process a little bit more. The other ones, I had to have them so tight from the beginning before I started to um, illustrate them or really get into it. I didn't trust my development process to kind of get in, anything interesting out. It had to be this super tight thing in conception. Like almost in your head, you have to run through it and leaf through it before you even put pen to paper. And this one finally... Like writing it and writing these guys, I was like, well, "What would these guys do? How would this actually end itself organically?" And it was the first time that actually happened, and um, it was a big lesson. I'm looking forward to applying it to other stuff because I don't know; it's different than how I've worked before. I'm not conf- I wasn't confident enough to sort of trust my own process to sort of reveal anything new. It had to be this really tight thing before I started anything on it. Does that make any sense? Yeah. So, like, as in, you know, trusting that, like. You can just kind of progress it in pieces. And well, yeah, I mean, it was, it was literally pieces, right? Like, they're all sort of hanging out there, and the idea of compiling all of them when no one got to see those other things, does this make any sense? Like, it's full of, it's a garage sale of, like, four drafts. And is that going to hold? But, it, um, but this one sort of, sort of, I don't know, it was a big lesson, and, like, if you just sort of feel your way through it, you find actually more personal stuff and maybe more mysterious, weird things. Like, that ending is just such a weird, it's not something that's genre the other ones I think we're sort of counting on, like with This Is Not My Hat, it's kind of a horror book, right? Like it ends, but it does kind of follow the horror thing. The first one, I, I don't really know. It's kind of like an opera or something. But the third one, if it does start out as a Western, which I thought it was going to, and that's why I thought you just get this sort of shootout at the end where everyone falls down dead, it walks away from that. And I like that it did that because it doesn't really fulfill this thing anymore. And it sort of, whatever random process I had in, in the making of it, just let it walk away. And it was really neat. I still, I like it best, I think, of the three for that, for having taught me that, anyway. Yeah. Do you prefer to write your own or illustrate other people's story? Five months ago, I would have said, I'm never writing my own again. It's just the worst. Because it's a vacuum, right? You're just on your own completely. And if it falls down, it's your fault. And there's, it's just, you have to come up with everything. And so when someone gives you a text, you're like, oh, something to solve, a Rubik's Cube. This is great. I can make sense of this. And it's really juicy and you can do it. But when it gets right, when you do get something that you really like, it's like there's nothing else like it. So it's weird because whenever it does happen, it's great, but you don't, I have no idea how often you can actually pull it off. So, yeah, it's kind of a half answer, but they're two different jobs, I think, really. One is sort of, like I forget a lot of times how many of my favorite people who make creative stuff actually adapt things, and you're like, oh, that's right. They didn't actually like start from nothing. There was an old folktale or whatever it was that got them into that that they based it on and you're like I should do that more often or I should trust that um, but these ones just I couldn't I couldn't do that with it so it's it's nice to start with something right away like as soon as you can make a decision <laughs> on something yeah hey <laughs> yeah well <laughs> there's a second chapter if anyone's read that trilogy I was talking about there's a second chapter in the crossing in the middle book that's like from the point of view of a wolf and I was like that would make a really good picture book but like it's, it's completely independent from the rest of the book almost I was like we should try that but they probably wouldn't he probably wouldn't let anybody do that <laughs> This this part thing really got me in the mood for chapters. The more I talk to people who do longer books, the more it's actually like you can have a big idea, but you, that has to wander around. Like you actually have chapter ideas, which are smaller, like they're moments. I think with picture books, they don't really allow for that kind of thinking. You have to have this grand slam. This motivates an entire book kind of idea, whereas chapters you can kind of have weird, mysterious moments that don't ever find like their ending. Kind of, they don't need to tie up completely nicely. That got really tempting, but I, I don't know where to start with that. You'd have to narrate, and I can't do that. 
<laughs> so I don't know, but it might be fun. It might be fun to do something a little bit longer, or like a reader book, sort of like a Frog and Toad, where they were smaller, but they add up to something. Like he was so good at making these random pastoral stories, but then at the end, he would use whatever he'd built and just give you one crazy, beautiful one that wouldn't have existed without the other ones. And that idea of like independent stories, but that still pay off at the end, is super attractive. I think I'd like to try that, but. I'm, yeah, it's I just finished this one, Hal. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess you kind of touched upon this a little bit. Like, can you describe like what your working relationship is like with like the kind of like editor and art director and what it was like to be like, oh, you want to? Yeah, it changes. I mean, it evolves for sure. Your relationship with your editor and your art director, but um, were they the same throughout? Yeah, the yeah, they were. They were the same people. Um, the first one, it was sort of came like it was finished when I brought it to them. It was a done book. And so they didn't have to do anything to that one. They, we had to shorten it by one spread, and that was it. And then um, the second one, I was really impressed with them, actually, because I think a more commercial house would have said, you have to stick with the bear, or at least these characters, because like, the book was already kind of doing pretty well, and they could have just said, like, we have a series on your hands here. You should really work on this and figure it out. And they didn't. They pulled the parachute on that. As soon as it looked like it wasn't working, they said, just change your characters. And they didn't even ask for a hat thing. I gave them that. Like, I added it to it. And so by the third one, um, you know, after four years, if I, if I handed them something, that, that, those three stories, the unconnected ones, the turtle and the crab, and I was like, I think this is it. I think we're, I think we're in good shape. And they still kind of said, like, I don't, I know, I don't think so. Like, that, I, thought I really liked that, because I think a, a lesser house would have sort of said, sure, whatever, as long as you're happy with it, let's just put something out already. You're losing momentum or whatever it is. Um, so that part is really great. It does get trickier um, creatively when I don't even know what I want. Like, I, like usually an editor is great when you can tell them, this is where I want to go, and then they can help you get there. Or they can sort of, like, I'd never had a thing where they were like, you don't have, like, what you think you have, you don't have. This last third is what you really have. And I, I was really angry at that at first, because I was like, how do you know? You haven't been spending hours crying in the shower over this. I have. And um, but the fresh eyes thing is really valuable. But I think it is that thing I was saying before, where it was like, all over and over again, it proved that, like, they were great at finding bumps but that the proposed solutions were almost never the right ones. And that's not because they just didn't know. It was just, um, that might be the whole job. It's okay with that. But um, they've been great. They understand exactly, the, like, they're on board with all of these ones. And that's a weird book. This turtle one especially is a strange book. Um, and they were really, I think they were, they've been really great about being okay with it. I'm not sure you could um, ask for much more as far as the editorial stuff. I'd be curious to see how it goes with a longer project. Because um, picture books, I think, are hard to edit. They're so compact that there's not much you can do. But... Did you get to choose your editor or our No. Yeah, when I brought it to them, she was the, the editor over there was the one who looked at it and, and bought it and everything else. So you can't, you don't choose that way. But it's it's been really great though. They've been really nice. Yeah. everything like you pitched in one book and they like, how about three? Kind of. I don't think I'll ever do that again, though, also, because it's really scary to do it. And it's also, it's kind of trading on you rather than what you're giving them. Like, if I, I don't know, if you had a book idea and you're like, I have a book idea about this. And they're like, well, buy it. You know, a million dollars. And you're like, well, then now it has to be good. But, like, if I can give them a full idea and say, like, do you want to buy this? Then, I, then they can judge it and I know that we're selling them, we're, we're understood. But the idea of buying something like unseen. At first it sounded like a real rock star move and I was like, this is great. But then, you know, here we are seven years later and just finished up this contract. <laughs> it's just like, I never want to do that again. I want to show everyone everything first and then we can go to it. But um, uh, yeah, that was surprising. I don't think it's uncommon because I think they, they sort of, it's a bit of a deal for them in a, in a certain way because if they get you really early on under contract, if Say if we'd done it separately and the first one did really well, the next one we sold them, we're like, well, now we want more money. But, but this way, they're like, well, we'll pay you, you know, very little for three. <laughs> and then later on, you can really get us, but um, we're still planning our rebuttal against that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. There would, just the sensibility is such a good fit. Um, it's been... Yeah, they're great. They're really nice and... Um, they are, they're also kind of just the right size where they're able to take creative chances but still able to sort of really get out there sales-wise and everything else. Like, they're just, it's not like, you know what I mean? Like, there's a, there's a middle ground where you don't want a house that's too small because they'll do anything creatively, but then they're like, we sold five copies, and that's great. I hope you can pay rent. <laughs> um, I mean, I might get out to Massachusetts a lot. 
Yeah, I'm going on Friday. I haven't actually been in a little while, but um, for this one, they finally said, we should probably come back and see us again. <laughs> but yeah, they're in Boston, Candlewick's in Boston, which is another great thing, because like, I think you get kind of caught up in the scene in New York a little bit. A lot of these places seem like they trade people a lot, and they're all trying to competing with each other, a lot like the studios do here, where there's just billboards for each other. It's really weird. But with New York, it's the same way, and they're out in Boston, so they, they kind of feel like a bit outside the mainstream that way. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's really broad. It's hard to pin down. There's so many children's books that come out. Yeah, I think that's more just useful for me because I wasn't getting anything good out of being didn't like I, I didn't like any of the books that when we started that way, if I thought I had a message, it wrecked the book. And so every time we abandoned it, it seemed to work better. I think that there are some trends... Um, with, uh, like right now there's a big trend towards like diversity in books, like to sort of get an emphasis on that, but that doesn't affect the story, and so it's not like, I don't think that there are necessarily trends with stories. There might be trends in terms of how, what you start with, but they're so short, they're like weird poems, right? And so it's hard to like, it's not the same as with movies where you can sort of, like you can easily explain this. A trailer for a picture book basically explains the whole thing if you have more than 30 seconds, and so it's hard to, be, it's hard to sort of pinpoint trends because ones that work almost fall like strange pop songs. It's really, there's no explaining it, so it's hard to sort of, pitch that where you're like oh it's going to be another book like, like that one that works really well because you can't if you copy it you, like it's, there's no room to wander away a little bit and then come back to the thing you've, you've made the same book over again it's hard to pinpoint trends I think with, with YA and stuff it's just trend town but with um, even with middle grade and stuff for sure but with picture books it's been nice because they're, it's almost it doesn't feel as competitive or anything that way everyone's sort of, sort of hanging out and making our weird books and there seems to be room for everybody yeah, yeah, and once you execute it, it's done. Like, there's no real. It's hard to abstract this stuff and think like, well, I can take that idea, but I won't do that book again. They're kind of one and the same because they're so short. The concept is so tied to the execution that it's really hard to say, well, that's a trend because, uh, yeah. Well, thanks, you guys. This is really fun. It's nice to answer some questions. <laughs>